Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Game Pit podcast. This is a battle report live from Spiel 2017 in Essen. My name is Ronan and I am your flying solo host for this evening. I've got no Sean with me yet at Spiel. He'll be getting in very early tomorrow, Thursday morning, and he'll be joining me for tomorrow night's report. Also, the eagle-eared amongst you would have realised that this is episode 101 and not episode 100. Our episode 100, with, as you probably know, is not our actually our 100th episode, but it happens the number to fall during spiel when we're going to be doing loads of reports and stuff and we're super busy but sean didn't want it to go unremarked so he's saved that number he's got a big plan i don't know exactly what he's going to do but at some point we'll have a random episode 100 come out i don't know it's, it's all down to him maybe i'll ask him about it tomorrow night anyway we made it to essen myself and eleanor rocked up but we rocked up quite late we missed our train this morning due to a few delays on the tube and we ended up rocking up three hours later than intended. Missed a bunch of appointments and meetings with people. Ran into the hall with practically our, well, with our suitcases but practically with my underpants flying out them as I was trying to arrange everything and get games into bags and see people and join in with the, uh, the excitement and the triumphs and the tragedies and the last minute disasters and the fun of games of opening the first ever production copies of games to realise there's major components missing and people phoning up manufacturers and saying, ah, where are they? Oh yeah, we should have been separate, they'll be there tomorrow morning. Ah, how are we going to get them all in boxes? And people were doing woodwork to put together stalls still and had about half an hour left till the hall closed, ready for tomorrow morning. Anyway, it's crazy. There's loads and loads of energy in the halls. There are more hall space being used than certainly I have ever seen before. And it, there really was a cool happy buzz going on on the wednesday on what's called the press day but really it's kind of a day for all insiders to get to know each other not that i'd call us insiders it's much more you see people who know each other chatting and designers and publishers and all the rest of it and we're kind of there observing a little bit and it's really nice to chat to people in that slightly less hurried and less busy surrounds anyway you don't really want me to go on for ages about the people i chatted to what you want to hear about is the games we've played now it's just myself and Anna. So I have got five games we've played that are either two-player exclusively or we've only played them two-player and we played them on the way across or while we've been here this evening. So I'll just go through them quickly. These are all first impressions. Lots more to come from us, but let's just kick off with these. The first one is just a little game that's currently on Kickstarter until 15th of November. It's called Fightlings by Thoughtfish. They sent me over sort of a print-and-play prototype. I've done a pit stop for it on YouTube, so you can have a look at that if you want to know how it plays a bit more clearly. But anyway, we gave this a play, and we had quite a lot of fun with it, actually. In fact, I liked all of these games, so if you're looking for one of my rants about terrible games, it's not going to come in this episode. But if I do see anything terrible, I will let you know. For Fightlings, you create a grid of 35 cards. Each player has got a deck of 17 cards, and one wild card goes in there, and you lay them out five by seven. And on a player's turn, they're going to flip three of the cards over. And there's kind of a memory thing going on there, like that game you used to play as a kid or with your kids, because you're trying to reveal pairs of the same card. And when you reveal pairs of the same card, there'll be uh, some sort of creature that will come into play for you, and they go into really what's like a Magic the Gathering combat system, whereby you can use your creatures to attack each other or block. If you don't block, you get hit for hit points. If your personal hit points ever get reduced to zero, you've lost the game. You can reveal other players pairs and that will score you victory points but it will make 
their creature are able to them, so they'll get stronger that way. All different creatures have all different effects. You have a deck of 17, but in the base game there's 48 cards to choose from. So you're gonna create your own deck out of there. There's other things like souls that don't need to be a pair, just have instant effects. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you, they were really lovely people and they sent us a really lovely email. Uh, because they were so polite and enthusiastic, I was like, oh yeah, sure, we'll have a look at the game for you, no worries. But the whole flip three match two, I wasn't too excited by originally. Turns out more fun than I thought and more thought I had to go into it. That thing of shall I reveal your pair to get victory points, but then you're more likely to hit me and I'll start losing health points. And which way around is that going to go? A genuine kind of decision to be made in there and in combat as well. There was a bit of the feel of Magic the Gathering. You know, when you first start playing Magic, I'm sure lots of you have, you can't always fire in on the attack and you don't really hold back and you don't strategically block and you don't wait for the right time and sometimes you realise you wasted creatures because they've got an attack when they shouldn't have done. There's a bit of that going on. Now, don't get me wrong, these are small decks. It's not huge, it's a 15-minute game, but a bit more than... Sorry, Thoughtfish, more than my low expectations took me to believe... Uh, there was slight worries for me in the first game we played. If you got a fast start, would you just sort of rampage through to victory? But actually, when you get a first start, it's down to the other person to hang in. They're then not going to let you reveal your creatures because they're probably going to be low on hit points. And they're trying to make the game eke out, knowing that the more pairs that will come out later on will suit them. And the creatures you have in play at the end will add to the victory points you've been able to gather during the game. And that will be your total. So they'll end up more likely to win on victory points. There's a nice balance there of which way it works. So anyway, it's Fightlings. It's from Thoughtfish. It's on Kickstarter the 15th of November. I've had three or four plays of it now, and they've all been fun, and it was a bit of a surprise for me. So maybe go check that out. Now, while that's kind of from a small company coming out, a much bigger company has released a two-player game, and it just came out of the weekend. It's Warhammer Underworld Shadespire from Games Workshop. It's an arena combat minis game played out on a fairly small board of hexes. In the base game, it's Stormcast Eternals versus Bloodbound. And the Stormcast Eternals are sort of these dudes that when they die, they get reborn via lightning bolts and they get shot down, but they become less and less human. I only got this out of the book. I read out any of the lore. And the Bloodbound are the cultists for the blood god Corn, And they've all been stuck in this city of Shadespire. The people who built Shadespire worked out how to have eternal souls or capture souls in glass or something and the god of death became offended so he kind of sucked the whole lot down sort of this nether in between world there's some there's a cool thing going on there's a lot of theme in there. there's like page 10 before you get to rules in the rule book and the rules are quite simple but there's loads of theme they are trying to draw you in what you're trying to do anyway in it is you play over three rounds you get four activations per round each which are actions you can do pretty much and you're trying to agree achieve glory points via kills and also via objectives so when you're moving your dudes around for their actions you can move you can charge which is a move and attack but it takes them out of action for the rest of the round you can just do an attack and there's individual stats for each character there's five bloodbound and three stormcast eternals in the box and they work slightly different like the bloodbound have got worse defense stormcast eternals probably do better at standing still whereas bloodbound power up by really charging in and causing combat and there being lots of death and you have power cards and individual objective cards and they come in decks and you can kind of deck build a bit. There's a obviously a recommended start set and a lot of theme comes from there. And for example, the Bloodbound are gonna 
score points for just lots of people dying or charging in all the time things like that whereas the uh, Stormcast Eternals are more like to score points for being defensive and standing still and being a bulwark and all that. Again, stop banging on about it, but there's a pit stop on YouTube if you want to get a, maybe a better idea, or an idea anyway, of how it plays. Now, how do I feel about it? In fighting, one of the things that put me off is that it doesn't matter how many hits or misses you get, there's crits on each dice, critical hits, and it's one in six on each dice, and it's just the critical hits who's rolled the most which determines whether attack or defense is successful and they're really important and they're a one in six roll so because you're not actually rolling dice that often in the game you only get 12 actions that felt a little bit not as balanced for me i guess coming from a euro set up but things that were good i love that you've got thematic objectives it really makes you focus and play differently you can feel a bit lost in the first one or two games when you start off going well i don't know what to do if I move, it seems like I'm going to bring myself into range and you're just going to attack me. I don't know. But the objective sort of drive, certainly the Bloodbound at least, to get the action going. And then it's up to the Stormcast Eternals to sort of react. So there's two different play styles in there. And again, from quite a simple combat rule set, it's those decks that drive that through. So the game in itself mechanically felt light, but deep at the same time, because once you got to learn what sort of objectives that your faction had, you realised that was really adjusting what your playstyle should be. Um, it's a good start, put it that way. It's a very quick game. It's pretty quick to learn. It didn't take longer than 10 minutes for sure. And it didn't take longer than half an hour to play, at least not the playing at the level I play at, which is terrible. A bit more thought maybe might make you more useful at it. I'm going to stop there. We're probably going to do more of a review later on. But again, Warhammer Underworld Shadespire an encouraging start and i'm looking forward to digging deeper into it i know they've got expansions coming out already whether i'll be ready for expansions yet or not uh, i know the guys rolling dice and taking names were tweeting me yesterday that they're very excited for them i'm guessing they've played more than i have i think we're going to fully review warhammer underworld shades by so there you go anyway a taster for you games coming out actually at spiel I've got three of those coming up quickly now. First one is Iron Curtain from Ultra Pro and Jolly Roger, designed by Asker Harding Granerwood and Daniel Skjold Pedersen. It's in their Cold War series of games. They've done 13 days and 13 minutes. Now, Iron Curtain might be the quickest off the lot. It's a deck of 18 cards. Each of the cards are representative of one of the two powers, either the Soviets or America, and they all represent a sort of a country or a region within a continent of the world. And whichever power owns the card, whenever the card's played, they can activate the action on there. But the person who played it is going to be able to, if it's their card, activate the action or take cubes to put onto the board for some area majority. Or if it's the other person's, the other person will get to do the action. And then you get to put cubes in play, trying to do area majority. And the cards actually build up the board itself. And they have to go adjacent to countries from the same region as them. And different regions have different numbers of cards. So like Europe has got six, it's huge. But South America's only got a couple. And when all the cards of region are down, it's going to score for the majority of cubes that are in there. And you'll score points for every card you control. And then if you have the majority of cards controlled in a region, you're gonna score a bonus for that. And there's an ideology points tracker and the cube moves backwards and forwards as you score. And if you ever score eight points more than your opponent, shift it all the way over to your flag, it's an instant win. Two cards are taken out in the first round, so not all regions are gonna score. 
But at the end, they will all score. And they'll score in a specific order, starting with Europe, which is the biggest, and scores the biggest amount of points. And there are some interesting things in this, in what is actually a really quick game. So what I'm talking about is don't think too heavy. They're just little things that tickle your mind while you're playing it for 10 minutes. Like, you cubes must be placed adjacent to cubes you've already got on the board. And the regions must be placed adjacent. So there's a little bit more spatial thought to it than when you first play. And there is infiltrate powers in there that will let you put cubes in where you can't normally. But in general, if you can manipulate that space and start building up a little stronghold for yourself, that's, that's a nice way of going about things. There's um, there's a control aspect whereby if you ever get two cubes ahead of your opponent, they can't come in, and there's a decision there to make whether you fortify up your own areas and take them under control to make it hard for the other person to attack you, or you spread yourself thin because of the regional bonus scoring, and with the amount of cubes that are going to go into a play, as opposed to the number of cards that will be in play, there will almost certainly be empty cards around the place. So it's quite tempting sometimes to just dot your cubes around, but... As naturally as you'll know, in any in any area, majority game, that's gonna make you vulnerable to attack. It's not limitless fun, but it is fun, certainly for at least a micro game to play in that ten or fifteen minutes. I think you're gonna get the most out of it if you play it with the same opponent again and again and again and then you'll see patterns and it'll be something I've talked about with Love Letter before whereby the game's not that deep but when you play it with the same people and you start having patterns and trying to read each other that's when it starts getting a little bit deeper than you might otherwise expect so it's Iron Curtain uh, give, definitely give it a check if you like micro games if you kind of like to play in a restaurant with someone else or uh, during a lunchtime whatever it might be this is one to have a little look at I'll just flip over my page there. You can hear everything. This is a rough and ready episode. There's uh, there's no time for all the niceties when I match feel. Okay. Two more. First one is Fear, one of the fast forward games from Friedman Fries from Stronghold Games. There's a lot of F's in that sentence, wasn't there? The idea of these fast forward games is they're a small game, which is basically a pack of cards, and you don't read anything at all. You just get the pack of cards out, you open them up, you flip over the first card, and it will tell you what to do. And it's going to be hard for me to chat about the game because that sense of the unknown, certainly for us in our playing it this evening, was the big drawing in aspect of it. But I'll give you some sort of an idea. The theme is something to do with ghosts, or the nominal theme is. And you turn that card and you start playing, and you're going to be drawing cards with numbers on them. And those numbers are either going to be in your hand or on the table. And the values of them, especially on the table, are going to be quite important. But the way that value is important is going to change because as you go through the deck, new rules cards are unveiled, which will change the way you play the game, what you're trying to do, how you'll manipulate the cards that are in play. And the deeper you get through the deck, the more new rules come out or special rules, which will affect every game you play. So the idea is you'll play a dozen or more games until you've gone all the way through the deck and revealed all the rules that are in there. Now, I think it looks like we're going to play five dozen or more games before we get there because we didn't get in through there very quickly because we were losing quite a lot to each other. Now, we were only playing two player and it goes up to five player. So whether that affected that a bit or not, I don't know. Now, some of the cards you play have got special powers. And... It's all driven by that deck, and I know I'm kind of banging on about that a little bit, but it's every game changes, so you're going to have to play through the deck yourself to get a feel for it. Now, it, it's got sort of a feel for Fabled Fruit, but for me, 
this was much more exciting. Even though there wasn't even as much of a stab at theme as there was in Fabled Fruit, I still felt I was diving into the unknown. And, you know, when Eleanor was looking at me and going, oh, what do we do next, Dad? Or, or what are we going to do? How do we win? And she's laughing and I'm laughing. And then we're sort of both nervously giggling every time we draw a card and read it going, what's going to happen? What's going on here? That really worked as a fun experience. And it was really appealing rather than the sort of slower build-up where you'd have to play a 45-minute game of Fabled Fruit just to get the next card out or... There's a sense of discovery in every card in your first, certainly, four games of Fear. And we played four games in a row, and Eleanor asked for four games in a row, because we were having loads of fun exploring and discovering this game. And the way it went is that when a game-end condition happens, most of the cards that have been in play get shuffled up and put back on top of the deck. So you're not going to unveil those cards deeper down the deck until you've managed some way of getting through. And we found ourselves in a situation of almost cooperating together and I don't even know if it's supposed to be a cooperative game or not but you can definitely lose it starts off kind of competitively although we haven't cared so far who wins or loses the fun has not been in competing it's been in trying to dig through the deck and trying to beat the game system to discover how the game system evolves and I hope that doesn't sound too boring because it's kind of a different challenge every time you play and you the way we've been playing because we kind of dove down through the cards and then we haven't got that deep again after our first play we have an idea what cards are in play and we're trying to work out between us how we're going to continue and move forward because we want to see more so it's a great first impression from fear from freedom freeze and stronghold games and we've got two more of these fast forward games fortress and flea and i hope they're as much fun to play as this first one is so really big positive two thumbs up from there and the last game we've played and the last one before i let you go from this battle report is zularetto jewel from michael schacht and abacus spiel and as it sounds it's a two-player zularetto game i don't know if you're familiar with zularetto but in this game there are three trucks in play which can take one or two animal or vendor tiles and on a player's turn they're either going to put animals on offer into these trucks take all of the animals on offer from one of the trucks or there's a couple of coin driven uh, actions which I'll, I'll come back to in a second about what we can do with those but in the game it, for the animals there's six different types of animals and in the deck they go in different uh, quantities from five gorillas up to ten hyenas and again, for each of the different types, when a certain number of them are in place, when you put them in play, you put them your side of a central lineup. Similarly, a two-player thing, as usual, you play cards either side of a line, trying to get control of them. And when there are three gorillas up to eight hyenas in play, that animal is going to score. And the amount of points or coins that they score is affected by a stack of scoring chips. So the first time you score, it's worth the least amount. And then as you go down, they become more. But which animal scores the least amount is going to be different each time you play, depending upon how the cards come out, how you play them, which ones you're stacking up. So it's just a simple majority in that. I want to have three against your two, and then I'll score those points and those coins, and I can do stuff. But there's a little twist in there. There's three different symbols that can be on these animal cards. There are lightning flashes if you ever have two animals with the lightning flashes on they're going to fight and that's going to score you minus one point there are hearts if you ever have two animals with hearts on in the same enclosure they're going to breed but only three of the animals can breed of the types of animals but you get a little baby bear or tiger or hyena 
incredibly cute and obviously as with normal Zudoretto everyone wants to be the breeding ones and then there's another one with the squares on if you ever have two animals the same with squares in an enclosure you get to dig through the discard pile and take any card you like out of there and put it into play and that can as Eleanor showed in her first game cause triggers where you dig out another square card another square card and make ridiculous combinations and make your father very upset and she's very quietly giggling behind me here so um, I won anyway so we can all be happy in that knowledge now that's great if you get two of the symbols of the same but if you get a third symbol of that same you're going to lose a point out of that hmm. so the vending kind of do something similar but if you get two of the same symbol from them they're going to earn you a point but they also come in four different colors as well as those three symbols and if anyone ever gets four colors in there then they're going to score for a majority as well just a, a slight twist something slightly different i said there are coin actions with coin actions you can either for two coins discard all the minus points that you've gathered for having too many symbols of animals as i said in your enclosures or you can steal an animal from the other player and bring it into play on your side which can cause a bit of ding dong especially if anyone tries to steal my breeding bear because they're bears and they're mine and don't touch them at the end of the game you're going to go along and score all animals but for fewer points than you'd score during the game it's just one point for having the majority of each whereby the least amount you can score for majority during the game is two and it goes up to four from memory it could be five probably four anyway you're going to end the game by either going through the deck almost all the way or going through all the scoring tokens almost all the way if you said to me, what does a two-player game of Zuloretto look like, Zuloretto Duel? I think I would have come up with something quite similar to this. So when I was first getting out and reading the rules, I was like, hmm, this sounds a bit obvious. I, I'm not saying it's not going to be fun, but I'm not sure what's different in there. But actually, there's a, a surprising little twist going on there, especially with the symbols. We've been able to stitch each other up because someone's taken too many fighty animals with those lightning flashes on and suddenly every lightning flash that comes out is a threat to them because they're going to lose points and then maybe more points if you can force more onto them and there's a nice little tickle of you know someone's got their two squares great they're able to dig in this card pile and get a card out but now every time there's a square of that animal and there's not loads of them but every time it puts them off and they don't want to take it because it's minus one point and the scoring should be quite tight between the two of you um Eleanor, who I played it with, as mentioned, absolutely loves Zudoretto. So I think we were on to a winner with two players Zudoretto from her. And that may well affect my first impression, but I don't mind because it made a good first impression on me. And I enjoyed it. I don't know again that I'm going to be playing it 50 times. But for not that gentle, but a nice, relaxing, familiar two-player game... Abacus Spiel could definitely have done worse than Zudoretto Duel. I'm selling it a bit short there. It's a good two-player game. It's certainly worth checking out, especially if you like Zudoretto. So there you go. Five quick impressions of five, I'm sorry, but mostly two-player games because that's what we've been doing all day. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be back tomorrow with more impressions and a battle report from Spiel 2017. Thank you very much. As ever, the Gameplay Podcast is a member of the Dice Tower Network. Head to dicetower.com for loads of gaming goodness. Check out our YouTube channel for our pit stop videos, which give you overviews of games, including a couple mentioned here. I haven't stopped going on about that, have I? Head to iTunes, pop in a stitcher to get all of our episodes. Get hold of us at w www.thegamepit.com. Email us at thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. Music by E. Aaron.